What's up, everybody? Man, we're excited to be here, and I sure do agree with what Shannon said a minute ago that we wish that everyone could see in here with us and we could just celebrate. There's only a handful of us in the room, but we're excited to be with you in your homes and wherever you are. And listen, I'm just going to repeat what Jenny just said. I want everybody to get their phones out or if you're on your computers or whatever you're doing and share right now. Share right now because, listen, this is why. Last week, 132 people shared, and that is amazing. And we're going to get this word out to everybody, and we're going to let everybody see our worship and what we do. But most importantly, I want people to meet Jesus. It's a whole lot more important than anything else. And y'all are awesome, and I think you can one-up last week's 132 people. So share it, let it go, and we're going to get this word out to everybody. So this morning, I'm excited to do week three of Come Alive. Week three of Come Alive. And if you haven't heard the first two, that's okay. That's okay. You can go back and watch it. But this particular week, we're going to talk about speaking life, coming alive by speaking life, speak life. Now, if you're like me and you hear speak life, you might feel weird when you see it because you're like, how do I speak life? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, like, does that just mean we say things like alive, <laughs> breathe, good, Never say the word death. No, that, that's silly, right? Because that's not being realistic. That's not being honest. That, honestly, it has nothing to do with this. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is an important word that I'm going to talk about in just a second. In the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, now that may not make sense to you when you first read it, but the, and the important thing is that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, I thought this was interesting. I have Jack Hawk 9000 right here on the stage with me this morning to show you something, but I thought this was fascinating when I was studying this week. The word for tongue, you ready for this? In the Hebrew, the word for tongue literally means the tip of the sword. The tip of the sword. So, I don't have a choice whether or not I'm using... A sword, or in our context, I don't, I don't see a lot of people carrying swords around. It'd be pretty interesting if, whoosh, if people had swords, but, but people have knives, and they still use it some, and they get caught in the airport, and you have to give it up, and you feel really sad and all that, but, but we still have a use for knives. In this case, this is a cutlery knife, because I don't have a lot of knives that I carry around, but I could do some damage with this knife. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I could do some serious damage if I say, ka-chow, sow with this knife. And so as I'm using words, I do not, y'all ready for this? I do not have a choice whether or not I cut. My choice is whether or not I cut to help or I cut to kill. Because death and life are in the power of my tongue. Death and life are in the power of my tongue. And every time I use my mouth, every time I speak, I'm either cutting or I'm helping. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing, which is so fascinating because this healing isn't like, isn't like coddling healing, but like a surgeon's healing. There is a cutting that takes place when a surgeon cuts me. But his goal is not to hurt me or to pierce but so that on the back end of the, of, the, of the cutting, I can have whatever's in there taken out. I think of those movies. I don't know if y'all are like me, but I have like movie things or movie quotes that go through my mind all the time. And I think of those movies where a musket or something's hit those dudes. And they're like having to get it out. And they, they use 
something that looks a lot like this. And they go, we got to get in there. Let him chew on a stick. And like, right? And they're getting in there. But if they don't go in there and hurt for a second and get in and get the bullet out, get the shrapnel out, get whatever out, like, dude will die from what's in there. Now, this is the problem with, with not speaking is a lot of times we're worried that we'll hurt someone so we don't use it. We're worried that we'll hurt someone so we, so we put the knife away and we decide silence is a better option. And so, so oftentimes, if you're like me, we get stuck and say, well, then what should I say at all? Because if sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is not true at all. And as a matter of fact, all words cut at some level, then isn't it better if I just don't say nothing at all? Because my mama said... Come on, y'all know it. If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Come on, Jesus, right? And so, so I get stuck a lot of times going, what should I say? Like, should I just shut up? Sometimes the answer is yes. Come on. But sometimes that's not the answer. And sometimes our silence hurts people. And so I thought it was fascinating as I was studying and looking over this week, what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, because I need y'all to know that these few verses that I'm going to teach from this morning, all of it is talking about the words that we use. All of it is talking about the words that we use, how we use our mouths. And so it says, let no corrupt talk or communication. This word corrupt just means, it means like poisonous or toxic. And it has to do with what's inside of us. It's like, it's like if, if this right here is corrupt, if it's toxic, if it's, if it's become poisonous inside of you because of bitterness or past seasons, zip it. Don't let any of it come out of your mouths. But only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion that I can give grace to those who hear. And so he does not say be silent. What he says is think about if what you're about to say builds up or if it tears down. Like, is what you're trying to do, prove that you're right, show how awesome you are, show how much knowledge you have, or is the goal of this conversation to build them up, to build them up? And then he says something interesting right out of that, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. And what I believe that this means is oftentimes we grieve the Holy Spirit by what we say. By my words, Jesus said this, by my words I'm justified and by my words I'm condemned. Jesus, by the way, just a side note right here, Jesus compared my words with fruit and my heart with the tree. And so, so this produces what this is going to say. And so that is how the corrupt talk comes out is because in actuality what, I'm what the Holy Spirit is being grieved by is by the corrupt nature of what's coming in and what I'm speaking because I only speak out of what I've taken in and what's settled in and what I've become. And he says, so, so as a result, in verse 31, let all bitterness. Now, y'all got to get this. Every one of these words have to do with what we say. It does not make sense because at first I'm like, nah, bitterness is like inside. But if you understand the context, and I'm going to tell you in just a second, this bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, and he says, and put away, as well as malice, put away all these things. So I, I just want to show you that Bitterness and wrath and anger are kind of all the same. They all have distinctions, but they are almost the same. And if you get the context of this, what this is showing is this boiling over. Y'all know the people, right? The boiling over where they're about to explode. 
If you say one more word to them or else, no, y'all have been there with these people. If you walk into a room, you're like, is he mad? Because if I look at him wrong, is he going to pop off at me? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. And so these are the outwardly explosive types. And these types of words all kill and kill and kill. They're, they're, they're killing to your face. It's like that, that venomous, ah! And that fruit is so toxic that it, that it looks like it's already popped open. And you can see inside when you see the outside of how upset they are. This is an outward expression of words with anger. But these two, clamor and slander, I find fascinating because it's the opposite. These two are often silent to someone's face. And they talk behind their backs. It's where gossip comes in. This is a complainer and a moaner and a groaner. But it's oftentimes, and, and this one is kind of with the other two that is out loud. But malice and slander are the silent but deadly mouth talkers. They, they won't tell you to your face. But as soon as you leave, they'll tell everybody else about you. They're going to bash you. They're going to talk junk about you. Because they're just as toxic, they at least won't tell you to your face. Now, I don't think either one of them is better than the other. But all of these in picture are the knife that is cutting. It's the knife that cuts behind your back. Y'all know we've said this, right? We've said it feels like someone stabbed me in the back. And you could almost say that that's literal. Because by the way our words go... That's literally what we do. Sometimes we slander, and sometimes it's through malice, and other times it's through rage and hateful and hostility. And if you're married in here, in your home, watching online, wherever you are, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because of all relationships we have, Mark and Leah use all of these at some point in time or another. But then he says in verse 32, but no, this is how you should use your words. You should be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave me. Like this is how I should think through my words. So I need to give you a definition. Kind. One of the most misused words in Christianity. I've hit this up with our, with our team quite a bit lately and people that I've talked to, but some of y'all haven't heard this. Kind is not nice. If you're, not, if you're taking notes, this is something you should write down. Kind does not mean nice. It means, it means truth void of all harshness. Truth void of harshness. Honesty void of trying to hurt. It literally is the picture of this right here where I take and I cut, but my goal is not to hurt. I love you enough to tell you the truth, but not to try to prove that I'm right and show you how awesome that I am. And then he says tenderhearted. And we know exactly what tenderhearted means because we, we, we say people are tenderhearted, but if my words are tenderhearted, it will feel compassionate when I'm saying them. It will not feel I show you and I puff up. And then forgiving, that one's loaded because Forgiveness is a choice that I have to make every single day. But my words being forgiving means that I choose not to bring up the past, even if you hurt me in a conversation. And it's because that's how Jesus did us. Because if Jesus brought up my past every day as I was having conversations with him, I would not have very long conversations with Jesus. Because I have a lot of past that he should bring up. 
but he chooses not to. It's not that, listen carefully, it's not that God can forget what you did. He's, he knows everything and he can't forget. He chooses not to remember. And that's a big difference. There's some things that's happened in your life that you cannot forget, but you can choose not to bring it up. And it starts in here. And so this is like, this is like, Boom, I'm giving you this is what Paul's saying. Like, here's how you can communicate. And so I just want to show you that there's three types. And I'm excited about teaching this because I really think God gave this to me a long time ago. It was actually like 18 to 19 months ago. And I was in my office and these just came out and I was like, this is awesome. And then I've never used them. And this week as I was studying, I was like, wow, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to do. And these fit so perfectly. It's crazy, y'all. So... So you can look at this two ways, the three types of people. Who should be speaking into my life? More importantly today, how am I speaking life? Which category am I in? Am I actually trying to speak life? Or am I speaking death everywhere I go? Because if someone just does a a, a rant of profanities, we would say that person's speaking death. But that's not what the Bible is describing here as death. I'm not suggesting that we should. What I'm suggesting is sometimes it's better, sometimes it's better if, if that's not what we're doing. If, if the thing that we're focusing on is not saying bad things and saying good things, but how am I saying what I'm saying? And so three types of people, and these are fun. And if y'all have fun with me, we'll enjoy this. The first one is cricket. Everybody say cricket. Y'all know what I'm talking about when we got crickets, Right? It's when, it's when you say something and it's like, ooh, it's awkward in here. <laughs> Must have said something you didn't like because all you hear in the room is crickets, right? It's like silence. I call these people, I call these people the silent assassins, right? Because when they've said something, you, you, you just wait on them to say something because you know inside they want to let it out. But in reality, they never even say anything to you. Everybody knows who I'm talking about, and some of you, this is you. Like, these are the people that you know they got something to say, but they won't say it to your face, so they've said it behind your back. This is the malice and slander group. This is the gossip group. This is the people that you know good and well are talking junk behind your back, but they don't love you enough to tell you to your face what, what they have to say. And it, and it hurts because I can never trust a cricket because Because so many people have truth in them, but they're worried. Watch this. This is what I think happens a lot of times because I think good people are crickets. And they let the fact that they don't think they have something to say or what they they have to say is not important. And so they let that keep them quiet, but they got to let it out. So who do they let it out to? They let it out to people at home. They let it out. Oftentimes, this is how it works. Y'all ready? I won't say something to my spouse because I'm worried it'll hurt her feelings. My spouse won't say something to me because she's worried it'll hurt my feelings. So then we go to our parents, and our parents begin to hate our spouses because we say to our parents what we should be saying to our spouses in love to build them up. And then we tell our friends, and our friends end up hating our spouses, and we tell everybody around us, and they hate them. And then we look at them and say, why would you hate our spouse? Like, you should love them. But we're the ones that did it. Why? Because to everyone that we're talking to, we're cutting, 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 cutting the people that we're actually frustrated with in the first place, and we won't tell the truth. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Like, it's very difficult. And the reality is these silent assassins are killing people all around them. 
And the most frustrating thing is if you're killing me, but I can see you doing it with a knife in your hand, I'll at least brace myself for the blow that's coming. But most of the time, the silent assassin is the one with the knife in your back. Because they're saying things to us and about us, they just won't tell us. But y'all, we have to use the truth. We have to use the truth as our friend. We can't use the truth as a weapon behind people. And we can't use the truth as a weapon in front of people. We can't take and, 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 and assassinate people and their character because we're unwilling to love people enough to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to people's faces. This is a rule that I think everybody should live by. If I'm willing to say this about you, I'll say it to you. I'm going to say it again. If I'm willing to say this about you, I'll say it to you. It does not mean I should be hateful. It does not mean I should be hurtful. It just means I should be honest and say, I don't understand this, so I'm going to tell you this. Because on the flip side, now, I would not be this person most of the time. I would be, by the way, I, I about skipped something, and this is very important. These people on the outside, I don't know if you can see this well, but on the outside, the fruit looks good. But on the inside, it's rotting. They can trick you. The crickets oftentimes can trick you. Then the next one is the critic. Everybody knows a critic. Come on, somebody. Everybody knows a critic. Are you with me? Everybody, one of you is with me. Praise the name of the Lord. The rest of you are crickets. Come on, Jesus. Critics are so frustrating. Why? Because it comes from a critical spirit. It, it's maddening because I can't figure out what to do to make you happy. Or when I'm critical, you, you ready? Because this is me when I'm in my basement. When I'm critical, it don't matter what you do, I'm going to tell you about it. The goal is not to build you up. The goal is not to help me and you. The goal is not to show you this is something I don't understand. And so through grace, through kindness, I'm going to, I'm going to lift you out of the muck that you're in. I ain't worried about if you're in muck or not. I just want to be right. Come on. This is the accuser. I accuse constantly when I'm a critic. When, I, when, when, when my criticism comes from a critical spirit, what I want everybody to know is that I'm right, that you're wrong, and that I've got all the right answers for everybody all the time. If you don't listen to me, that's your loss. If you do listen to me, I don't really care because I'm going to keep telling you anyway. Now watch. This is the part that I thought will be an aha moment for somebody, y'all. I, I think that this can jump off the page and be a hammer. If, watch this, if you will understand this, that both the cricket and the critic uses the truth. See, it's not about lying oftentimes, it's about the truth that gets us in trouble. It is not, let me say this again, it's not about lying oftentimes because you feel justified in your actions when you're telling the truth. But the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, that Satan is the accuser. Watch, it says he's the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses day and night. Accuser. Here's what I believe that means. I believe that means that Satan comes to God, and he says, do you know about Blake? Like, Blake's done this, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this. Here's what I think that means. I don't think he's making stuff up that's not real. I think he's accusing about stuff that is true. And so whether I'm a cricket or I'm a critic, what I do when I begin to accuse, whether it's behind people's back or to your face, if my confrontation is to prove to you that I'm right, 
I end up using the truth like a weapon, and I gouge you in the front. I cut you deeply. I try to hit your heart so that I can prove. And if guts, metaphorically, are spilling out, I could care less. That's on you. Grow up, bro. Wrong with you. And we constantly use truth as a weapon for our advantage. I know I'm not the only person watching online or in this room that's used the truth as a weapon. Matter of fact, I'm 100% positive that's true. Why? We're human. We've all done it. But here's, here's the deal. What I have to evaluate is not is something true. Because hopefully we're operating in truth. That's the starting point. If you're, if you're just telling outright lies, we're in trouble. But I've, I've found that I do more damage not when I make up something outright lies because that gets exposed quickly. But when I, but when I weaponize truth to try to hurt you by either changing someone's opinion about you and being a coward by going behind your back and getting a small group up of people and yeah, yeah. But to your face, oh, I might even tell you I love you. I love you, brother. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. But then behind your back, I'm going to be jamming the knife in your back because I'm a character assassin. That's what slandering is. Or I'm so angry and I'm about to pop off that the only thing you get out of me, even if I tell you the truth, is I'm one second away from exploding because the reality is my fruit looks like this. When you're around me, not only is it rotten, but it feels like it's busted open and it's leaking on you every single time you get around. And so what should be a healthy, beautiful orange, and it should reproduce and it should have good seeds and it should keep producing the same thing, what it ends up producing is poison and toxin. Now, here's what's so interesting about the first two. Like, we know this from when we were kids. We know this growing up, but one bad apple spoils the bunch, right? Like, if, if you put something toxic in something good, it doesn't matter how good the other things are, it will become toxic. And so as soon as my words, where I'm trying to produce truth, as soon as I don't capture, it starts with thoughts, doesn't it? As soon as I don't capture those thoughts, life and death and the power of the tongue is the last thing on my mind. I'm not worried about life and death, who's all that talking and Solomon this and this and that. I'm just worried about, you're wrong. Shut your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm so upset in my I'm going to just punch through this wall. This is me, naturally. Care less who sees it. I've had so many moments where I get to the car in a grocery store and my kids are acting a fool. You can say amen from the acting a fool part. And I just, I don't care anything. I just, I'm like, if you don't shut your mouth, <laughs> come on, Jesus. And then you have this epiphany that you're like, holy crap. Like 50 people in that grocery store watch that crap happen. And I can get embarrassed and say, oh, I'm the preacher, and they shouldn't see that. Or I can have a realization when I get home that this must be where I am right now. I must have let a past circumstance, something that happened that wasn't good, cause this to happen, and I've become an accuser. And as a result, everybody that's around me is going to hear a critical spirit day and night. But this is what it means to be life-giving, y'all, is to critique or to be a critiquer. To be someone that critiques is still criticism. Did y'all know that? This is what's so fascinating about life-giving is, is it looks and sounds the same oftentimes. It would still be a knife. 
it would still be very similar to this because I would still use a knife. I would still have to use the truth. This is not deciding that I don't have anything to say, so I'm not going to say anything at all. This is, this is knowing me well enough to know, you know what? I'm not me when I'm hungry, so I need a Snickers. Come on, somebody, right? We got an amen from my wife. Praise the name of the Lord. It's true. Like if I've worked all day and I've had tons of things on my mind and I get home and I start pointing things out, being critical, that's not going to help. But if I wait and say, Leah, I didn't understand this. Can you help me understand? This is what happened. Then all of a sudden, there's constructive criticism that's possible in my life because I'm not being silent and talking behind her back. I'm not trying to attack her by so much anger and venom coming out and hatred because of bitterness and all these things happening. I want to build her up. Because listen, if we could think about words like this, that they're building blocks and every single day I can build a bridge or I can make my home secure, I can build a structure where we have, where we have comfort and, and health and good things by my mouth. Jesus said, by my words, I'm justified in my words, I'm condemned. Why? Because it's what's in here that comes out of here. And the only way that I can have constructive criticism, listen to this, is if I myself want constructive criticism. If, if, if I desire to have a coachable spirit where, where I know I'm wrong in a lot of areas, but if you'll speak into my life, then I know I'll get better. This, this is literally what comes to my mind when I think about constructive criticism is when we first started our church, um, Pastor Dean Herman at Five Point, just for whatever reason, he just brought me in and said, I think you remind me of a young Dean Herman and let's hang out. And they had close to a thousand people in their church and we had close to 50. Come on, somebody. Like it, it made no sense. And yet he loved me. And so I just said, Pastor, will you give me some constructive criticism and tell me some areas that I can work on so we can grow, so we can get better? So he watched a few of my messages and then he came back to me. I'm not going to mix words. This is what he told me. He sat me down in his office and he said, Mark, I'm going to be real with you. You're just not very good right now. <laughs> I remember thinking, okay. <laughs> but this was what I had to do. I had to decide, is he trying to hurt me? Is he saying this behind my back to jam in a knife? Is he, is he angry and popping off so his fruit is rotten and it opens up and, and all the venom comes out? Or is that really what kindness is all about? Is that really what kindness is all about? Because that was truth void of harshness. He didn't say it with a harsh tone. He didn't say it with a harsh attitude. And I literally, y'all, this is just the process that I went through. I asked myself this question. What would it benefit him to tell me that? And the answer I got is it benefits him none at all. He wasn't proving me wrong. He wasn't making fun of me. He wasn't trying to cut me apart, so he must be trying to build me up. And as a result, I began to watch myself and go through a process and ask questions and read books. And I read book after book after book on communication, and it was a miserable process. And I had to learn my voice. And I'm not arguing today that I'm the world's greatest communicator. I'm saying I'm worlds better than I was at the beginning of 2012. Why? Because someone loved me enough not to cut me with a knife, but to cut me open to heal me in places that need healing. And that is what it means to critique. It's not about hurting someone. It's telling the truth and not weaponizing it as you tell it. And if I'll use the truth 
to build them and not to prove me. Because who cares if you're right? Because what happens is that healthy apple ends up producing a harvest of apples when my words are fresh. When my words are good, then the one good apple is not what happens. Then when you cut me open, you see more seed that can be reproduced after the Lord. And all of these things become so wonderfully fruitful. But this is the misnomer. This is the misunderstanding. This is the hardest thing to get, y'all, is that Excuse me, Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness of the Lord that draws people to repentance. Change, having been with. That doesn't mean that he's always nice because oftentimes people think truth is unkind. But kindness is, God is never harsh. It's impossible for him to be harsh toward us because he is good and he is holy and he is wonderful. And his goal for you when, when the truth comes out. It's so he can build you up and put your feet back on that solid ground. And what we associate with is God should be nice to me all the time. But y'all, if I did that with my children, then what I would be saying is I refuse to tell you the truth. So just go do whatever you want to do and maybe someday you'll figure it out. But that's not kind. It's actually the opposite of kindness. Because what I end up doing when I'm silent with my children, trying to build them up like God does for us, is then I complain about them to other people saying, these crazy kids. No, it's me. It's my unwillingness to, to critique, to show them I can build you up. I don't cut them down. I don't hate them. I love my kids just like God loves you. Listen to me. I don't care what you've done. God wants you to produce a bountiful harvest because he made you, literally, he made you in his image. And then the very next verse says, now be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. His plan for your life is the same as every one of ours, to worship him and to reproduce after him. But I can't do that if I'm cutting people or if I'm stabbing them in the back. I have to speak like he speaks, and it's truth to build up. As a matter of fact, this is what Paul said. Let my words be filled with grace and then seasoned with salt. And oftentimes what we do is we fill it with salt and then, oh, by the way, I'm going to be nice on the back end. It's to extend a favored hand. It's to, it's to give you what you don't deserve, which is forgiveness, which is love and mercy. And that's our God. And I just want to close with this verse. It's Ephesians, the next chapter says, Ephesians, love your wives as Christ loved his church. That's each one of us. I don't care if you're saved or not. We are all made to be his church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her. And that just means, that just means separated and set apart for wholeness. It just literally means that he's unmixed us. He, we, we used to have this and this and this in our lives, but, but, he, but he changed us so that we're unmixed. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And so there is a cutting that takes place of that old man in me. But the cleansing that takes place is because I open up and say, God, I need you. So come in and show me the places so that I can be reborn and renew. And this is what I believe. Everyone watching online, listen. Some of y'all are really harsh critics. Some of y'all are really hurtful, silent assassins that are the crickets in the crowd, but behind people's backs, you're killing people. And there can never be healing in your relationships and in your home until you have healing in your heart. 
And the way that the healing in your heart takes place is when you realize that the kindness of the Lord really does draw you to repentance. And all you have to do in order for that to happen is just say this prayer with me right now. So wherever you are, I don't care if you're at home, you can drive down the road, keep your eyes open and say this out loud. But I just want you to pray, God, I'm tired of running and I'm just ready for change. And it's not about how good I am, it's actually about what you did by dying on the cross, taking on sin and death, and becoming life. And so, Jesus, I receive your love. And I ask you to wash me with the water of your word so that today I can be changed and be your child, that I'm never the same. And so, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, say it wherever you are. I give you my life, and I'm yours in Jesus' name. Now, listen to me. If you said that prayer and you mean it, if you really mean it, I want you to text this number, 864-606-3600. Text the word ALIVE. Text the word ALIVE. One word, ALIVE. We're not going to come to your house. We believe in social distancing. Come on, somebody. But we'll help you. We'll help you in your walk. And I believe there's dozens and dozens of people that you just meant it in your heart that you want Jesus to be your life. Your life. You're tired of running. You're tired of having knives in your back. You're tired of stabbing people in the heart or hurting people every time you speak. And so listen, listen, you can do it. Just text in the word, alive, to 864-606-3600 if you just made that decision. So God, we love you. And we pray that in this time of offering and as we close in worship with a song that I have on my playlist that I play over and over, that you'll just do what you said you would do. God, you can't go against your word. You'll draw people to yourself. God, may we all critique in our lives, in our actions, in our lifestyles, not using the truth as a weapon where we condemn people with our words, but so that they can be built up and fully alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, real quick, I'm so glad you tuned in this morning. And this is what I want y'all to do. That same number, 864-606-3600, we use for all of our texts. You can text the word give, and it's a simple, easy way to give. But this is what I wanted to tell y'all this morning. This was just what was on my heart. I had some pastor buddies this week say, man, we had a bad week. Like, we're in trouble as a church. I'm not kidding you. We had a bad week. This is tough. And I was just super honest with them, and I said, we weren't as high as we are on some weeks, and we didn't meet budget, but I was blown away by your generosity. And I just think it's because it's who you are, Four Points. I'm just so thankful to serve as your pastor at a church that is just so extremely generous. And so this is what I'm asking you to do. Do what you do every week. Don't give out of, out of this guilt and, and compulsion that if I don't give, God's going to hate me. That's not true. God loves you unconditionally. I don't give to get. I get to give. I look for opportunities. And y'all, I'm just telling you this. I, I believe God told me to say this, so I'm going to say it. Anytime God speaks to you through a word, I recommend on top of your first fruits, your tithe to the Lord, you should sow a seed into that word. Because I want to tie it to it. I want to give to that. And so give to our church and say, I'm giving specifically because I no longer want to be a cricket. I no longer want to be a cricket. I want my heart to be transformed every day by the renewing of my mind. So I just, I want to sow into that. I do it when I read a book. I do it any time that God speaks to me. I'm like, I'm going to give because I want to sow, I want to seal that with a gift of, of, of faith right now. 
And so if that's you, just do it. And listen, no matter what, this is what I always want you to do. God, what would you have me do? If you'll do that, he'll bless you more than you can imagine. And the blessing is not about stuff. The blessing is about being in tune with God so you can accomplish everything he puts you on this planet to do. I'm so excited about what God's doing in our church. Y'all are going to be blown away when you get back because God is working as we're at home. So be safe and we love you. Now listen, don't you turn this off because this is my current favorite song and we're going to sing it right now. So I just, I would ask you in your homes, if you have the possibility of standing up, I would ask you to make this the declaration over your house, over your lives. I would ask you that in the critiquing that you'll look internally and say, what is it that I've blocked the blessing of God? And right now I'm just going to declare that my children and my children and, and their children and their children will all have God's face shining upon them, that, that they'll have a hope and a future. And this is the declaration. I love y'all so much. Just stand with us wherever you are and just lift your hands. And may this be what people describe as God's people all around the world. In Jesus' name.